Welcome to Hope for Anxiety and OCD. I'm your host, Carrie Bach, and today on the show, we are talking with Sporty King, who is a master listener, stress master educator, and certified humor professional to talk with us about humor. I did not know prior to meeting Sporty that you could be a certified humor professional, but I find this very interesting and intriguing, and I think we're going to get into a great conversation today. Even though you're a public speaker, why would you say that you're a master listener? That seems like a contradiction a little bit there. Great. And see, that's part of the beauty of life and humor. It's the contradictions. Listening is actually the number one communication skill. So what happens is we tend to hear people say that they're a motivational speaker. You know, they're a speaker. But the truth is you have to listen. When you speak, you should be sharing. And so you share the information that went in. And and you'll see, you know, later on, I've thought of some things will really show you why I call myself the master of listening. And the reason I also came up with that moniker is instead of saying I'm a master of a master of ceremonies. At ah, event, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a master of listening. I will listen throughout an, a, a conference, for instance, an awards de- banquet or whatever. And I listen for the things that people say. And then I do what I collect the words. And then at the end, I will actually create a poem on the spot that grabs the spirit of what went on in that tribute or the conference as well. And so that's why another reason I call the master of listening. Wow. That's impressive. Poems on the spot. Awesome. So you told me that laughter is a part of humor, but not a requirement. So tell us more about that. Yeah, you see, humor is actually the quality that makes something amusing or laughable. Whereas laughter is actually the biological reaction. So laughter is that outward expression of humor. Um, so, so you, okay. you know, it's just like we hear people say, I got a good sense of humor. You can have a, a sense of humor and not actually not laugh at all. Gosh, let me tell you, there's a flashback that I just had earlier in my speaking business, a disease called RFD. Okay. And it stands for reflex dystrophy, oh, RDF. Reflex dystrophy sympathy, RDS. And so I'm speaking to this group as I'm talking and I'm laughing and I'm talking. And about 10 minutes into the presentation, one of the persons in the front row, she said, Sporty, because being like, no one laughed while I'm, I'm talking. <laughs> uh. And she said, I just want you to know that we are really enjoying you. But this disease is a cross between cancer and arthritis and actually laughing is painful sometimes. Oh, okay. So it it gives you another look at when people talk about being speakers, you got to read your audience and go with their mood. You can't always do that because you don't know, you know, someone who you think is looking stoic or uninterested may be the most involved, engaged person in your audience, but you don't know whether they have a disease or what type of trauma they're going through in their life that thinking about so they, you know, they may not be responding the way you want them to. So that just, you know, one of the early lessons I got in my speaking career, and I love it. Somebody took a nap one time while I was speaking at a conference, and I just figured that they they really needed that nap at that time. (laughs) I tried not to take any offense to it, but I was like, man, this is rough here. (laughs) I wasn't after lunch or anything. 
Well, see, because after lunch, usually if I'm speaking after lunch, I'll open a session by saying, welcome to sleep therapy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, maybe you voice was so calming that that allowed them to get that rest that they need. There you go. Again, switching, switching things up. Yeah. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk about humor on a show that has to do with anxiety, because I know somebody's tuning in right now going, why in the world are they even talking about this on the anxiety show here? But I noticed that if people aren't careful that they struggle with anxiety, they can really fall into two different traps. And one is they may take themselves like too seriously and they have a hard time just finding that sense of humor and maybe making light of some things that happen in our lives. I think that's skill that, that we all have to kind of develop to, I don't know, stay sane and get through some difficulties. But then on the other trap, they may make everything a joke and just kind of joke their way through life and avoid really like diving into some of those difficult feelings they might actually need to feel. I'm curious about, you know, your thoughts on those two different extremes. Sure. And that, let's jump right on that word you used twice, feelings. See, because the key is no emotion is wrong. And sometimes we have to recognize that how you feel, you should feel nervous. You should feel anxious. You should feel excited. You should feel grand. You should feel sad. No emotion is wrong. But the key is how do we choose to then deal with the emotion? Like you say, am I taking myself too seriously or am am I hiding how I feel with jokes? I see anxiety and excitement as fraternal twins. They both create a reaction in the body of what's about to come and how I'm going to perform. Am I being judged? Of course, we're judging ourselves. All of that is there. We can just as quickly make it trivial. But the same way we say, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to do well. I'm feeling scared. I'm nervous. We can just as easily say, man, I'm excited. I'm about to do a great job and make a difference in people's lives. The brain doesn't say, oh, uh, Siri here. Let's correct that. (laughs) (laughs) You're, You're nervous. You're scared. No, the brain goes with what you tell it. Sometimes, like I said, it's not necessarily going to be easy. But it's a commitment. And so if if I'm taking myself too seriously, the key becomes the world throws around and that is truth, truth and trust. You know, you've got to be honest with yourself because sometimes the people who take themselves too seriously, I think, is because they they won't let anybody else in who will say to them, hey, look, you're doing this. And then therefore now they have a chance to correct it. And sometimes humor, you know, requires a certain level of vulnerability because you don't know, like, is the other person going to find this funny? Are they going to get it? Are they, you know, sometimes you're dancing on that line of are they going to be offended by by the joke I just made or or something of that nature, too? Yeah, I'm a member of, uh, you mentioned my CHP, it's a certified humor professional. I'm a member of an organization called AATH, and it's just the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. We believe in the healing power of laughter, but also in the study of healthy humor. You say, you know, when you're wondering how is someone going to react to this? Well, flip that coin and how am I going to deliver this? That's good. So for people who use the humor to like hide their feelings, you have any ideas or or recommendations about how they might start to, to shift that a little bit? It's funny because I think when we 
even when we think about that humor style, for most people, young and old, I think even a lot of young people know Rodney Dangerfield. And that was his style, just totally self-deprecating humor, you know. It's funny where you have to figure out, does he really feel that bad about himself? Or is he aware that sometimes the humor actually can trivialize and cut that anxiety down, make the anxiety know you don't have the best of me. Master of listening, I like to use the English language and massage it, right? So hope is the name of your show, right? Hope is one of my, I call them my affirmations because they're acronyms that are affirmations. And my affirmation for hope is having overpowered evil having overpowered evil. So therefore, if you get into that state where you are, that to me, that's how you can laugh in anxiety's face. Oh no, you can't beat me. See, we can beat, if our problems just cropped up one at a time, we have no problem. We can beat them one at a time. (laughs) Sure, sure. That makes sense. Yeah, the challenge is when they come in droves and then we think that we can't. And so now we back down. I actually, I know I went around the field on that, but I take that back to where I'm saying person who's making a joke, that could be a way of standing up to their anxiety and saying, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to take it that seriously. I am going to get through this and uh, see things come out in a positive vein for myself. Sure. I know sometimes when you look back on a situation, not when you're in the middle of it and you're anxious and you're in the middle of it and you're worried and you're anxious. It feels so real. And like, it feels like that bad thing really is going to happen. But sometimes after you've had some time and distance from it and the bad thing didn't happen, you can look back and it can be funny. It's like, oh, wow, I can't believe I was so, I was so worried. I was so convinced that that thing was going to happen. And actually it just never happened. Self-fulfilling prophecies. When we decide bad is going to happen, we just need to wait for it to catch up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if you look, think it, look at comedians, the best jokes are the truths. They, they don't make a lot of those things up. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You are also work with people who are, you know, coming back from deployments or or getting ready to go on a deployment with the military. And that's some of where you use the uh, stress mastery education. I'm curious, how do you help people use humor to help master their stress? My form of using it is similar to what what I did with the hope thing. I call it controlling your vocabulary rather than allowing your vocabulary to control you. See, if we can put all of the stuff together that I talked about, the AATH, stress mastery, the the affirmations, control your vocabulary. And if you decide that I'm going to have a positive vocabulary, it actually helps you, again, because your brain is going to go with whatever you say. And you tell your brain, hey, we're in a great situation right here. We're not anxious and nervous. We're excited. And in fact, one of the biggest examples, people are afraid of public speaking. They get up there and they say, oh, my God, what if I screw up? And, what, you know, what if I, I knock my notes over? You know, so they, they come up with all of these reasons <laughs> and say, no one's going to pay attention. And you could just as easily. And again, I use the word easily, but I never trivialize. You can say, man, when I get up here and I start talking, I am going to knock the shoes off of these people. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. I saw this on TV. 
So now all I have to do is be my hero that I saw giving this speech on TV because you've been asked to speak. See, sometimes we erase the gift in favor of the challenge. And so you've been asked to speak. That, that was a gift to you. Instead of you accepting what has been given to you, you decide, but I'm not the right one. Hey, sounds like Moses to me, you know? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) not me. I don't think I can do this task. Yeah. I mean, that leads into my next question, which is, do you believe God has a sense of humor? I absolutely do. And I think that if you believe in God, I think you kind of have to, because if you believe in what's the premise of, of us is that we are made in God's image. Mm -hmm. So if we are made in God's image, we have the characteristics of God. Therefore, our sense of humor is a characteristic of God's. We are the living sense of humor of God. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. I'll check with him on that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) He'll he'll ask him. We had a funny experience in our household this week, actually. Uh, We sat down to, to pray at the dinner table, and my husband's no sooner does he get dear God out than we start to hear this music. And it's like, uh, dun, 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 dun. and we're like, what in the world is that? The ice cream truck was passing by, like right at the time where he goes to pray. And it was like trying to pray to Pop Goes the Weasel just doesn't, doesn't quite seem right. But it was just so funny the timing on that happening. And we very rarely get ice cream trucks that pass by here. So at first, we didn't quite even know what it was. Like, what is that noise? <laughs> and we just started laughing at the table. It was good. I know that there have been. Probably times in your life, has there been a time where you look at something and maybe you said, no, I'm not going to do that, or no, I don't really think that's what I should be doing, and then next thing you know, God like somehow leads you in that direction in some kind of roundabout way, and you end up doing that thing that you didn't think you were going to be doing? God, there's a novel, right? (laughs) Even first with what you're talking about prayer, I would like to connect that to humor. One of the things, like, for instance, I was master of listening at an event. It was a fundraiser. And they asked me to do the invocation. I was on the board. And this is way back. And, and I was known for my zaniness. So I get up to the mic and I say, God, it's me again, sporty. And my board members, you know, later told me they held their breath. and was like, what is he doing? And I said, and I'm glad to say I'm in a room full of other people who you know by first name. Mm-hmm. And, and see, so there is humor that does not require this crack up laughter. God, again, God has the sense of humor. So mm-hmm. you, you don't always have, I don't believe you always have to have this big reverent prayer to God as much as you have to talk to God and let him know that you know how you feel because he knows. Sure. Absolutely. So, so, you know, pop goes the weasel. Okay. Uh, we'll pass the potatoes and share the gravy. Make sure you pray first. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good for on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. As these things happen in our lives, you've got to see the funny. You don't always have to be funny. Mm, you have to see mm-hmm. the funny. Yes. And so even as you're talking about the one thing, I mean, God, like, like I said, there's a million things that I said I wouldn't do. Uh, in fact, one of them, I'm doing one of them right now. And that is I live in Charlotte. I'm a native New Yorker. Okay. I worked in corporate America 18 years. I worked at the Wall Street Journal. I started as a messenger. And when I retired, I was an advertising sales messenger, uh, advertising sales manager. 
But the reason I say that is because while I was there, I said to myself, I'll never leave the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to retire here. Yeah, and I'll never leave New York. Well, they transferred me from New York to Maryland when they promoted me to a sales rep. Then they transferred me from Maryland to Chicago when they promoted me as a sales manager. And then when I retired and decided to be an entrepreneur, I moved myself to Charlotte. For somebody, even when I first relocation from New York to Maryland, my boss was so surprised that I was even interested in the position when it was open. When I went in and he was like, really? You would leave New York. (laughs) That's funny. So that may not be a huge example, but in all of that, what is also where at that time when I started at the journal, I didn't have a great sense of spirituality to myself. Mm -hmm. I was just living the way I wanted to live. I wasn't reckless anything, you know, but I didn't really connect. And I think this is sometimes a challenge for people. I didn't really connect to my spirituality to about 38 years old. Wow. And, and where I, like we talked about earlier, retrospect, when, uh, when I was in Maryland, North Carolina was my sales territory. And I stood on a corner in Charlotte and I said, I like it here. I think I'll move here one day. 25 years later is actually when I moved here. But I had that conversation with with myself in 1985, and then it was, so I must have been, probably was 28, and then because it was when I was 38 that I was able to look back and see that that was my first conscious conversation with God. And even when I moved to Charlotte in 2010, people said, goodness, you took 25 years? I say, no, I used 25. And again, mm-hmm. we just change just changing the words. Yeah. How you look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. I know I was just batting around some different ideas with one of the counselors in our office one day and we were talking about, I said, you know, I want to do a little bit more than therapy. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I think I just, I needed a challenge. I needed something like kind of to keep me more fresh and new. I said, maybe I'll write a workbook, you know, for people with anxiety or, or maybe I'll, I'll work on some self-help type stuff. And he says, well, why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, a podcast? Like, what? And uh, I was like, no, I was like, I just, I don't know what I would talk about if I started a podcast. And now we're over 50 episodes in. So I guess I didn't run out of thing to talk about. <laughs> But I look back on that and I think that's God's sense of humor. Like God knew that I was going to end up taking this path and, and following along here. And I've enjoyed it so much. I, I enjoy meeting people and talking with them and having all kinds of great conversations. And, and I learn a lot and other people learn a lot too. So it, it enriches me and enriches other people. You do it so smoothly. I mean, I love how things reconnect. It takes us right back to what we talked about where you have to accept the gift Hmm. rather than look at it and, you know, oh, no, I'm not going to write a podcast. Excuse me, (laughs) I'd like you to write a podcast. (laughs) And sometimes people see things in you, like we need those other people outside of ourselves to speak the positive things into our life or the gifts that they see that God has given us. We've talked about this on the show before, but it's like it's important to like for us to be in community with people who are able to kind of call some of that out sometimes and say, hey, you know, I see this in you. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that in itself is a a blessing for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it takes me back 
to what we were saying uh, about anxiety, people taking themselves too seriously, how I help people deal with stress. One of the main things, other than telling them, you know, control your vocabulary, do not compare yourself to someone else. That's huge. Very huge. Yeah. Nothing will rob you of your joy and peace and all of that more than comparing yourself to other people. I I really Mm -hmm. believe that. Mm Because everyone is on their own journey and their own path. And unfortunately, I think someone said this, and I don't remember who it was, but it's like, we used to only compare ourselves to the people that we knew, the people that Mm -hmm. were around us and in our inner circle. And now we can compare ourselves to anybody in the world. We just get online and get on social media. And it's rough. It's hard. In fact, uh, even with my New York roots, one of the ways that I keep myself grounded, crazy things go on. And I, I will say, you know what? This has been going on all along. We didn't know it. Technology has, this is the part of, this is what technology did, put new stress and anxiety into our life because now we have more information that we didn't have before. So that, that whole saying of a simple life, that's gone. You know? Unless so, you're Amish. Yeah, right. <laughs> now there's a joke that you cannot or, or can't make. Is it is a striking joke? It's not. It's one of those, they are proud of what they do. And I, I say, yeah. therefore, yeah, that's right. That's the thing. And um, I didn't know what was going on in California. So I didn't have to care about it. And so now, like you say, you're on instant, all this technology and you're modeling yourself out of somebody who you don't even know their real, their true persona, because who they're showing you on the screen may totally be the opposite of who they are. Right. One of my favorite, when I do my presentations and I'm talking about stress, is I always say, if you don't like the way things are, change the way you look at them. And I open that with a a slide that shows a jail cell, an empty jail cell. And the caption is, she met him on the internet. He said he lived in a closed community. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's a closed community. Maybe not what she thought. (laughs) Right. Tell us how people can find you and get in touch with you. Sportyking.com has all of my connections to all the social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Fussbook. That's what I call Facebook. That's what you call it. Oh, okay. Fussbook because everybody's (laughs) just complaining. (laughs) (laughs) My dad has come to calling it facelift and he's not on there, but that's what he likes to call it is facelift. I don't know why. But also on my site at sportyking.com, I do three audio broadcasts a week. Uh, So similar to you with your podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Monday, I do a a quick two-minute inspirational message. Wednesdays, I do one. My Wednesday message is actually called Glue Wednesday. And my glue is G-L-U-E, God's love undoes everything, where I'll, I'll talk about how we have to recognize that Wednesday is not hump day. Wednesday is actually the middle of a traditional seven-day week that keeps things together. So we don't need to hump. We don't need to get over. We need to find ways to keep it together. Again, just playing on words and bringing the calm. And then Friday, I call Gift Friday. And Gift is G-I-F-T. God is for today. You know, because everybody say T-G-I-F. But I I say, well, T-G-I-T. Thank God is today. And then thank God is tonight. Let's make sure that we recognize that God is for today. 
Mm -hmm. Even when you you talked about earlier about how when you're going through something and you're in the middle, poetry is how I started my speaking business. And I wrote a poem called How Far Is the Middle? Because, see, we don't really know when we're in the middle because we don't know when that situation starts. Or when it's going to end. when it's going to end, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. So you'll find those three broadcasts on it. People can subscribe to them. It's free. In fact, you don't even have to subscribe. If you just want to watch one and enjoy it, that's fine. You got options. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of every podcast, I like to ask our guests to share a story of hope, which is a time where you've received hope from God or another person. That one is actually very easy for me. It's the hope of how he has allowed me to, to handle grief. When my mother died, I was the one in the room with her to see her take her last breath. I had to turn that. And what I was able to turn, flip it very easily, actually. And that's, again, that's the gift of God is I said, you know what? I'm the only one in the family that could have handled this. Yes, I was torn apart. And yes, I went through my whole crying bit and everything like that. But I had said, you know what? My sister and I had just switched changing of the guard whose turn was it to watch her uh, about an hour ago my sister would have lost her mind <laughs> wow. you know but i had to see that as the gift that god gave me even though your listeners can't see it right now you know i've got on a shirt that says faith and faith is f a i t h feeling as if there's hope yeah recognizing that the only thing you cannot do is give up And that's what God has constantly allowed me to feed into my life and then share with other people's lives. In fact, let me do a quick thing with you. I want you to answer me. This is a cliche. This is where I say also control your vocabulary. This is a cliche and I want you to finish it. Okay. Okay. All right. When one door closes. Another door opens. Good. But now the Sporty King remix. When one door closes, go for the windows. <laughs> there you go. Don't wait for the other door to open. <laughs> That's right, because it may not be your door. And what we do is we have to recognize that there are usually more doors than there are windows in a room. And once you see what you have to choose from, won't you make better choices in life? See, that's why I say the cliches, we got to be careful of those cliches and the comparison of ourselves to someone on the other side of the world, because they're saying things that may not apply to what's going on in our lives. So really be careful about that, but definitely go for the windows. You get another chance to make one more choice because each of us does. And my closing comment is that we do the bravest thing that we can do every day. And that is lay our heads down and go to sleep. Yeah, that's good. I really appreciate this conversation and I know that our listeners will as well. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Over Anxiety and OCD is a production of By the Well Counseling. Our show is hosted by me, Carrie Bach, licensed professional counselor in Tennessee. Opinions given by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of myself or By the Well Counseling. Our original music is by Brandon Mangroom. Until next time, may you be comforted by God's great love for you.